0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2022. My name is Amato, he, him, and with me are...
1: Tori, they, them. And I'm Watson, I mean, uh, Della, she, her.
0: (laughs) We will be expecting you to make a record of this case right here.
1: Yeah, I think like Watson, it's funny if you contextualize Watson as like a big Sherlock
2: Holmes fan mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what, what they're doing. which is definitely kind of what this fanfic does but yeah. um, <laughs> I, mean, I guess the stories do too in a way yeah, yeah. So I do think
1: of Watson as the Della of the Sherlock Holmes operation oh yeah absolutely
2: yeah. <laughs> right like involved in but fan of exactly you have said as much um, yeah 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 and in charge of putting it
1: out to the uh, outside world and crafting it yeah of course.
3: Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh,
2: curating
3: it. yes, exactly. Making it lovely. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: I, I'm
0: thinking of Sherlock Holmes and how, you know, he's one of his struggles is that he needs to be intellectually stimulated and like normal stuff won't do it. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see him having at least one podcast, <laughs> maybe several. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like if he'd had the technology.
1: I think a modern reboot would just be Watson following him around with the with the H6 recorder, just recording what he says and then cutting it together into a podcast.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, th- that makes sense, right? Because it's like, why did Holmes, you know, not write his own stuff down if he was so interested? So he probably, Watson probably would be the podcaster, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, right. Because, and I'm thinking of
0: podcasting because I know Holmes, like, would get bored or jittery if he was, like, writing down and editing, like, a manuscript. Mm. But if it, but he loves talking. He loves telling people, oh, like, yes, how smart he is and like, talking about stuff.
1: Right. Scott, I'm talking about stuff. That right. is actually a really good point. Does anybody yeah. have a Cumberbatch's number? Can we can we get this going? <laughs>
0: uh, well, look, you know, there's always reboots of Sherlock Holmes in the works. One of these has got to just end with him having a podcast or not end. Like, it's, that's got to happen in some reboot sometime. <laughs> just statistically, it has to happen.
1: I think it has to be a Gen Z kid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's going to be like a couple decades down the line when people are like, remember podcasts? Yeah. Remember people wasting all their time, like... Talking to each other and like other people want to listen to what they had to say.
2: Ah, yes. When uh, talking to each other has become an antiquated art form. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of which, we've got a podcast to do here. We do? Yeah.
0: Yeah. We are meeting physically in person to investigate a very old Sherlock Holmes fanfic. (laughs)
2: How old is it, Amato? A
0: hundred years old and also two years old. It's 102 years old. All
1: right. It's a hundred years and also it's two years old.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's been a while since we read something just nice and old like this. I think the last thing we did was a new Alice in the Old Wonderland, right? And I mean, that was older than this, but...
1: yeah, uh, Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm still thinking about how to... Describing age like that, I do like to think of myself as thirty-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> I think that makes sense, more accurate. Yeah,
2: <laughs> works for me. Yeah, and
0: when when was when was Sherlock Holmes arrives too late? By the way, I didn't check
2: mm. Before this. Mm. Well, yeah, it must. Well, actually, that's a good question. It was post- it was very contemporaneous. Because oh, contemporary—that's not a word. Contemporary.
1: Contemporaneous.
2: Contemporaneous. <laughs> I don't know. It was like co- obviously co- contemporary with uh Holmes writing itself, so that would have been like late 1800s, correct?
1: Well, it's like just enough for the author to get upset. I
0: right. Oh yes. I pulled it up 1905. Mm. Nah. So that is an older Sherlock Holmes fanfic. But what this is, what this story is, is the first well-regarded Sherlock Holmes fanfic that I could find, and. I mean, you can find it on the website, bestofsherlock.com. And it's the only fanfic on the Best of Sherlock Holmes, the website. And it's called The Adventure of the Unique Hamlet by Vincent Starrett. For a long time, I only knew the title. And I was like, I wonder what's going to be so strange about this small town. I
1: was
2: thinking the exact same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but...
0: But that's not the Hamlet it's referring to.
2: not the Hamlet. But, you know, it's funny because I did think the same thing, even though I had... The foreknowledge this was about, because the author has like a note, this is about collecting rare books. Mm-hmm. However, I literally still did not think that it was what it is, which is a folio of Hamlet. So. Yeah, I, I
1: I went through the same mental journey. I was like, oh, they're going to go to this weird small town. They're going to talk about Shakespeare. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this story was published by Vincent Starrett, who Wikipedia informs me, um, was a book collector, and author, including of detective fiction. Um, excuse me, I, I don't have my Wikipedia open. There we go. Uh, a Canadian-American writer, newspaperman, and bibliophile, which you can tell by what he's writing about here. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he, he was born above his grandfather's bookshop. So, you know, from the cradle to the grave, I'm sure. <laughs> and he's also the author of another very influential Sherlock Holmes fanfic, The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, published in 1933 which was apparently the first fictionalized biography of sherlock holmes getting like using all the information that you learn about him from the stories and right. expanding on it not the last but the first
1: mm. <laughs> sort of the old equivalent of like the wiki projects and stuff
0: <laughs> yeah well there's other people who do that the the world something universe there's like someone who's done that for various pulp characters like Uh, like tarzan and doc savage um Hmm. you know we haven't read any of those but maybe we should because it's actually a reasonable big deal but i can't remember the name of those books um well we'll we'll get back hmm. to that i guess
2: yeah no that's that's interesting genre-wise i'm also wondering about this author uh vincent starrett is it yeah um So he wrote several Sherlock Holmes fan fiction, or at least two, right? Yes, at least two that I know of. I just wonder, like, um, what was his life like? What was his career? Did he make a career off of writing Sherlock Holmes fan fiction? That would be so interesting. No, he
0: wrote other stuff. He wrote (laughs) like a detective fiction of his own and that kind of stuff
2: still Yeah,
1: I think it's a model's job to contact the
0: authors. So <laughs> right.
1: Well, uh, you know. Well, let me get out the Ouija board. <laughs>
0: you know, I have some contacts if I needed to contact a spirit of the dead. I I know probably where I would turn. Oh yeah. I don't think it's their specialty, but um, yeah. Th- that reminds me of just like exploring an old bookstore in uh San Francisco that has just since closed down. What, what's the name of it? Acres of Books. What a good bookstore. That's a good or, name. Or was that in L.A.? It might have been in L.A. Anyway, yeah. At one point we stumbled on these like books that were interviews with dead people published in all seriousness by some like occultist, cultist it's like yeah you know here's me talking to this you know famous dead person or whatever are,
2: are those fanfics
0: oh god it's rpf oh
2: no <laughs> it is right well it's uh, unless you believe they actually contacted that
0: person
1: does tra- that matter yeah it <laughs> does because it has to be transgressive which oh, means they right. don't have permission of the people involved in
0: order to right. publish if you think you have permission of cleopatra to publish this interview then well, it's not it, fan fiction then
2: it's just an interview, interview. Yeah, yeah exactly it's just an interview. <laughs> oh dear god slippery slip, yes.
1: <laughs> i think it's nice it's, it's uh you know it's inclusive it makes you th- realize the world of fan fiction is so much warm and inviting and bigger than you think it is <laughs> that's right
2: yeah yes
1: that's how i choose to think about it not any other
0: way because i have to sleep at some point <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, this story, as you might have gathered, is what we might call pre-internet fanfic, you know, by a little bit. It's so obviously it was published in zine form in 1920. <laughs> uh, I basically am not joking. It like the author ran off 100 or 200 like copies of it. I guess he had access to a printing press being like some kind of bibliophile fellow newspaper man. He, you know, he paid to have them printed and he gave them to like friends and family and maybe like fellow Sherlock fans. I'm not sure. Apparently more than a hundred of them still exist. And it's it's now a thing where like if, if you are a Sherlock Holmes book collector and you have a copy of this, then all the other Sherlock Holmes bibliophiles are going to be like,
2: ooh. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Well, that, oh, how lovely is that for this it author who was a bibliophile? Full circle. Yes. To have that sort of, I don't know, memory so,
1: of them. So in the modern reboot
2: <laughs> of
1: Sherlock, someone... The, the case is someone has a copy of this book signed by the author with a note in it and <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then it gets stolen. <laughs> I That's know, right. I was literally <laughs> just
2: thinking that and then that one becomes, yeah. a you know, a collect book collector's famous book and then the, the, well, it, the cycle continues. But, but yeah.
0: this this reboot would be a TV series though, but I, I you know, oh, I, I would podcast. want. It oh, <laughs> would be like a, a DVD collector or something. It's I a true
1: know. crime podcast, it. That's a huge oh, there you
0: section go. of the podcasting world. The Adventure of the Unique, The Adventure of the Unique Hamlet.
2: There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just kept thinking the adventure of the adventure of the adventure. It's just my brain went into a loop. <laughs>
0: Should we jump into the story?
2: Yes. This is such a wacky episode so far. <laughs> I know we haven't even talked about
0: it. <laughs> Well, look, it starts in the most standard Sherlock Holmes way you possibly could, which mm-hmm. is that uh, Holmes and Watson are hanging out at home. Holmes sees someone, not Holmes, Watson sees someone running up and Sherlock, you know, comes to the window, takes a look at him and knows everything about him. Mm-hmm. That's that's Sherlock yeah.
2: Holmes, end story. That's some good Sherlock. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, I love this part too because it's like the first freaking couple sentences. Watson's like, ah, there's a madman. He's escaped from the madhouse and he's <laughs> loose in the street. And Holmes is like, nope. <laughs> well, th- 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 well, that's one of the charming things about this is that,
0: right, Holmes looks at him and says, uh, here, here comes a madman. Someone has uncautiously left a door open and the poor fellow has slipped out. What a pity. And it describes him, this person who's running up. Um, I, and I guess I may as well read the, the description here. A personage indeed he seemed to be, despite his odd actions, for he was tall and portly, with elderly whiskers of the brand known as mutton chop, and he seemed eminently respectable. He was loping curiously like a tired hound, lifting his knees high as he ran, and a heavy double watch chain of gold bounced against and rebounded from the plump line of his figured waistcoat. With one hand, he clutched despairingly at his silk two-gallon hat, while with the other, he essayed weird gestures in the air in an emotion bordering upon distraction. We could hear the the spasmodic workings of his countenance. (laughs) And, And Holmes can immediately determine that he is a collector. And that's one of the charming things about this fanfic is that The book collector author is being self-deprecating about book collectors Mm -hmm. throughout this whole thing.
1: Well, we mentioned before how we love when fanfic authors write about their own specific hyper-interest niches. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is a great example of that, where they're talking about the book collecting world and what those people are like and what they dress like and what kind of things they value. Right. I also wanted to know at the beginning of this fanfic. We, yeah yeah we're just gonna fan call fan it the sure. beginning of this fanfic it says to sir arthur conan doyle with admiration and apologies
0: oh that's such a normal
1: it's such a fanfic opening such a
0: fanfic opening <laughs> yep. i mean it was the same in uh, new alice in the old wonderland right?
1: right
2: they
0: had a whole poem that was basically like my apologies to the author and like every other thing on fanfic.net i read
2: started with something
0: like that <laughs> yeah for sure
2: of course like you know because I, I think that kind of speaks to, this isn't just a trend that started with the internet advent of fanfic. It's mm-hmm. that anytime someone writes someone else's characters or someone else's world, they instantly want to go like, it's the self-deprecatingness too of an author, but it's also just like, I, I tried, it's, uh, I hope this is okay. Please don't be mad at me or, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. I, I just like you so much. Please just be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because that's true. Yeah, because it comes from a place of admiration. Yeah. So.
0: um. I feel like we ran into some. Wasn't there some really, really early comment that was also like original character? Do not steal. I. Don't, I feel like mm. I can't remember something what it would
3: like have that, been, yeah. but
1: <laughs> it's just fun to see these like mundane things
0: are timeless. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, anyway, Sherlock's reasoning is basically that this guy is clearly affluent, but he's so upset and distraught about something that it could only be like a collector who are you know completely. I guess, on edge, having lost something immensely valuable,
2: which is, of course, what happened. Right. And so we're on page one. I'm already annoyed with Watson for being a dummy (laughs) because like it's fine if he's glancing out the window and being like, oh, that guy looks crazy. But then he just keeps like, he keeps repeating it. And then Holmes is like, no, no, look at him. And he's Watson's like, oh, yes, he must be rich. He's probably a banker. Holmes is like, no, no. And it's like, sure. Okay, only Holmes could deduce he was a book collector from that series of details. Like his pocket is loose because he carries books in his pocket, I guess, or something like that. Something very minute. But Watson just keeps repeating his dumb ideas all throughout (laughs) this fanfic, and it really irritates me. Like, Watson's always been like the audience stand-in like mm-hmm. the
1: reason why there is a narration. Right. Which kind of fixes the problem we talked about um diary fanfics before. It's mm-hmm. like, why would someone in first person like narrate and explain things or like bring up problems? But with this two-person uh, diary format, it's someone else bringing up the problem, somebody else answering. And that's a reason why to write it down and have that exchange and um, progress the story with the audience.
3: Yeah. And
0: some stories are kinder to Watson than others, at least yeah. in the Doyle stories, where like he he's a man of action, he's competent, he's just not a genius, mm-hmm. and so he comes across right. looking bad next to Sherlock Holmes yeah. all the time.
1: Watson's character is always so weird because it always like really oscillates between like being really dumb and also being like a mini Sherlock Holmes themselves. Those right.
2: Things. Well, certainly, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's just he's.
0: An experienced medical doctor, military veteran, and none of those skills tend to come yeah. up. That's kind, of, that's kind of his big problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, they do sometimes. They do sometimes, yeah. just not often. Anyway, the name of this guy who clearly needs Sherlock's help is Mr. Harrington Edwards, and he has a tale of woe.
1: Can I just say, at one point, they talk about like all the bookbinders coming together, and you get the, like, the sentence, Sir Nathaniel Brookbanner called a con- consultation with the great binders of the empire at which were present Mr. Rivrier, Monsieur Sangrowski, and Sutcliffe, Mr. Zanderhoff, and others, which is just a great selection of names. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, this dude is a book collector. He lives next to his best friend, who is a book collector also. And that guy's name is Sir Nathaniel Brooke Bannerman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're the best of friends. And... Mr. Sir Mr. Sir, Nathaniel Brooke Bannerman. <laughs> what am I calling these characters?
2: N- Nate? <laughs> yeah. D- Natch? No. What's the n- <laughs> n- name for Nathaniel? I forget. Um,
1: uh, Mr. Beebe?
0: Brooke Bannerman? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, what does Brooke look- Bannerman
0: sounds like a superhero. Right?
2: Right. Brooke Bannerman. <laughs> <laughs> so I do want to say, though, that the flavor of this fanfic comes out right away because this guy You know, Holmes deduces that this guy is looking for their address. Mm -hmm. He stumbles it, instantly trips and falls on his face, (laughs) spills this book plate out of his hat. And then the guy is like, you know, he revives quickly. So he's very, um, what's the word? Yeah, slapstick is a good (laughs) word for it. He's, I was going to say like the fool, but not really. Like, he's just sort of that, you know, like silly character, right? Right. But it's certainly not, you know.
0: It feels charming because he's the prominent book collector, and we know that like the the author's a book collector, so it's almost like this guy is his stand-in in the story. Right. Mm-hmm. I have no idea how much that's the case, like physically or personality-wise, but it still <laughs> feels that way. So it's 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 not like you know bad natured or anything.
2: Um. No, no, because this guy seems very sincere and very kind. He's just also like a little bit clumsy, hapless. basically. A hapless, yeah. yeah. He always starts crying a lot. I mean, <laughs> just a lot. But that's. You know, that's because he's telling the story and this, you know, the story of how he lost something incredibly important it's to his It's genuinely friends. upsetting, actually. Which yeah. it, it just is, happened yes.
1: the night before, I think. Yeah. Yes, that's my right. Yeah. Might not have slept
0: well. Also. He says he didn't. He says he barely slept and he came as soon as he could today. Yeah. So, yeah, what happened is that his friend, Bannerman, uh, is in possession of a singular book. You might call it unique, and it is a copy of Hamlet. Um, and it's like the earliest known copy of Hamlet and also has notes written in it by Shakespeare.
2: Yes. And then um, the original, the owner, of Bannerman, found it and then went out of his way to have it also bound in like leather and studded with jewels and like gold leaf <laughs> on the pages and everything. So it's also like very elaborately fancy. Right. Probably has some spells in it at that point. Right. Probably. Right? Probably bring back the dead with that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and then. Edwards, again, being friends with Bannerman, Edwards was writing a book about Shakespeare and he needed access or he wanted access to this book. For research purposes. And he, you know, he went to his friend and he was like, look, I would love to take a look at your book. I know how precious it is to you. I totally understand. You can have, like, guards sitting on either end and, like, you know, supervise me as I, like, carefully turn the pages with a pair of tweezers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And his friend's like, oh, no,
2: you can borrow it. I'll just grab it. Yeah. yeah like uh, yeah, Just walk <laughs> yeah. home with it. I mean, they they live next to each other, by the way, but they <laughs> live some distance apart because they live out in the country and they have a lot of land because right. they're relatively wealthy. Right.
1: And, like, this character that's talking, the Bumbling Fool, is, like, the preeminent shakespeare scholar in this Mm -hmm. story (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. so he's writing his life works about shakespeare and needs this last book in order to fill in those last pieces
0: right yeah i mean i I was thinking reading it there's no way that book has anything super important but you know as a completionist type person obviously you want to you want to make a note what's in it i get it right
2: (laughs) i mean if it is the earliest folio right Mm -hmm. and you could yes you would have a lot of, I mean, I guess kind of what you were saying about it, but you would have a lot of material to say, like, oh, well, this is what was changed that's from true. the version right. that we know now.
0: And also, because this has never been made public, that would be the first way to convey to a public audience what's
2: actually in the folio to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, also it's, like a Shakespeare yes.
1: scholar. There's like a, a personal note written in the beginning, and who knows what you could tell from that.
2: That's true. I mean, holy shit, if I found something like that, I would, like, flip my lid, right? Like, that's <laughs> well, crazy. Yeah, It just occurred
0: yeah. to me, What obviously, what they should have done is brought this folio to Sherlock Holmes, who could then deduce everything about the life of Shakespeare just from that inscription in the front.
1: Seems like cheating. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right, though.
0: Yeah, why doesn't everyone bring everything to Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes would read the inscription and be like, so did you know that he had an ailment of the liver
2: this year? And they're like, what? Oh, you know. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny. I was just distracted. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but uh, speaking of, it just reminded me that there is a funny thing like Holmes could always be working. Maybe he only cares about active cases and mm-hmm. not cold cases or whatever, because yeah. he could always be working. However, there's this uh, note that Watson has at the beginning where he says, Holmes has been restless. He hasn't had a case in a couple of weeks. He's using a lot of cocaine. Well, I, or no, he's yeah, not he's, using a lot of cocaine. He's worried he's going to start using cocaine. Again. Watson's he's worried. Cocaine. Yeah, it's it's so it's actually like oh you know because yeah Watson's saying like, yeah. I
0: really hope this is a good case for him because like otherwise he's going to turn back cocaine again and Watson yeah. doesn't want him to do that of course certainly yeah
1: well like on the topic of people just bringing shit to Sherlock Holmes to mm-hmm. fix I think there are some stories and some fictions that that do that the exact thing where he's just always flooded constantly with all these requests to figure things out but he's fickle and only does what pieces interest
0: well that makes total sense yeah Yeah.
1: it's like in a world where in reality where sherlock holmes exists, why not just funnel all your problems through sherlock holmes (laughs) it's like the the superman hand crank theory about energy. Well,
0: in the Sherlock Holmes universe, that's how the British government operates with Mycroft, it seems like. Mm -hmm. It's just like, look, there's this whole apparatus and then if there's any problems that are like that the apparatus can't deal with, this one guy deals with it. (laughs) Like, it doesn't matter who's elect, like, you know, who's in government at a time. It's just like, if there's a snag, here's the guy sitting in the gentleman's club where you cannot talk and he solves the problem and the British empire continues. (laughs)
3: Like,
0: that's... That's the great man
2: theory of history at action here. Like mm. uh anyway, uh oh, one last thing. So I did want to bring up the line cuz I liked it. Um uh, let's see. So Holmes at that point is decided this is must be a case and watson in his head goes i could not but hope that holmes's conjecture was correct for he had little to occupy his mind for some weeks and i lived in constant fear that he would seek the stimulation his active brain required in the long tabooed cocaine bottle
0: and i feel i feel less bad for sherlock there and more bad for watson like the poor guy (laughs) Like he's sitting there like as a medical doctor, keeping an eye on his best
2: friend. And he's like, "Uh." and he's empathizing so much with Holmes, seeking the stimulation for his active brain, though. I mean, to be fair, like I think cocaine would probably rev you up more than anything. But (laughs) I mean, I get it. You know, it's like he has so much empathy, so much care for him. And that's sweet. I like Watson the most in this early scenes, because later on, I get he just kind of becomes a dummy.
3: (laughs)
0: Well, going back to Edwards' story, he's like, no, no, no. I couldn't possibly accept the physical book. But his friend insists. He's like, you're my best friend. I trusted with no one else. Yeah, I, you know, I trusted with no one better in the world. And so he loans the book. But in the evening, the his friend, uh, I'm forgetting his name already, Barrington, sends mm-hmm. two of his trusted servants, heavily armed, to accompany him across the grounds between their two houses, which, again, is just like next door. But, you know, they've got estates, whatever. I don't
1: think heavily heavily armed, just with two bodyguards. Heavily armed, it says. Heavily armed. Heavily armed.
0: I don't know what that means in like 1920. Big, beefy arms,
2: (laughs) (laughs) right? Yeah, Yeah, because it doesn't... You're right, it mentions that, but it never really mentions them like having weapons after it. Right. It's fine. And anyway. so, right,
0: these being estates, it, like they're 200 yards away between the doors. There's a, a good road between the front of their estates. And, you know, halfway through in the dark, the servants assault him, steal the book, and run away. Mm-hmm. Of course they do. I <laughs> yeah. Mean, what
2: else could have happened, right?
0: Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's not long enough for a random encounter check. So,
2: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. was familiar grounds. I don't, yeah. yeah it is at go. night, though.
0: That's true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway. And so then, of course, the, the case is afoot and he gets to grill edwards on some more details like he knew one of the the servants named miles and like miles was chatty another guy was tall and thick set wore a heavy beard and didn't talk and yeah they they basically just attacked him and took the book and ran away
1: and like and like topped him and pushed him over and stole his
0: lunch <laughs> <laughs> shoved him into a locker
2: exactly Well, but, you know, the story does present this guy as exactly that sort of character. (laughs) I mean, I know there were two guys and one was big, but like the guy who just like fall over if you pushed him. (laughs) Well, he literally fell over walking into Holmes apartment into a yeah. But but like you said, he
0: couldn't sleep the whole night. He came first thing in the morning. He tried to call them last night, but they were like out at a show or something and out to dinner. So that's the situation. And immediately Holmes is like, yeah, I, I think I can solve your problem. It's not a super long case. But they have to head down to this collector's home, Walton on Walton. I don't know how that can be the name of a place, but, you know, England. England. Yeah. It's a yeah. very unique Hamlet, yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and they go in disguise, of course, because he doesn't want them seen together. They go separately.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, um, Walton is throwing out wrong theories
0: left and right. Is he, I, I don't remember as many wrong theories as you two do. What, what's he saying here?
1: Well, he, he uh, says like uh, someone was jealous and stole the book. Well, well that, that, that seems reasonable. It seems reasonable, but, then, but in a in a mystery story, that's a wrong theory. <laughs> the, the reasonable, practical solution is just so ridiculously wrong. You wouldn't even throw it out.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, as
0: will be noted. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was on the train ride where like Holmes is basically like trying to like quiz Watson, right? Yeah.
1: Right. At one point, Holmes in this does say elementary, which I think might be anachronistic. (laughs) Mm
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And, right. So, you know, yeah, there's the talk about the facts of the case so far. Watson's like, it was a jealous rival collector who bribed the the servants to steal the book. And Holmes is like, that can't be because it was, he just asked for the book that evening. It was sent over immediately. There's not time for such a thing to be set up.
2: Mm -hmm. Right. This is kind of the problem, sorry. I'm having a little bit of train of thought things because my notes are unavailable to me. But (laughs) I do remember taking note of this Holmes in the scene on the train, like where Watson's throwing out the ideas. He's like, oh, great reasoning, Watson. But usually it's very not great reasoning. I think
0: it was fine reasoning. It's just normal reasoning, not Holmesian reasoning.
2: Uh, Except that he literally forgets that um he forgets like a really important fact of the case
1: well th- that it happened spontaneously That wasn't a right as a matter
0: of fact it. however mr edwards's decision as to his acceptance of the loan was oh, i believe sudden yeah. and without previous determination i do not recall his saying so he which... did not say so but it is a simple deduction
1: Yes, yeah, which like doesn't rule it out if someone wants it so much that they've staked the place out
0: you know? right it, like if they have a spy on the... you know it makes sense to me because, like, if a rival collector had a spy on the inside already, had one of the servants in one of his pockets, that's what they would need anyway in order to, mm-hmm. you know, ambush. So maybe they're just like, let me know if anything happens with this book. The servant lets them know and then they pull the trigger on this plan. Mm-hmm.
2: No, that one wasn't as bad. It's just also following on the heels of the fact that, like, it wasn't that Watson stipulation. It was um, Watson asks, whom do you believe to be the thief? And Sherlock goes, you forget we already know who the thief is. It's like, dude, you were just told this a couple hours ago. How did you forget who stole well, the book? <laughs> I,
0: I, I don't think that's quite what Watson meant either, but um, Maybe not. I don't know. Anyway. Maybe I'm being too hard on Watson in this. I think Watson was totally normal Watson, not like Yeah,
2: I, I think that was Sherlock being a jerk there. Well, <laughs> oh, of course I already know. Don't you know? Right. Yeah, but like, why would you ask who you, you think the thief is when they know the names of Because you're you love showing off i don't know oh well, what would no, watson, would ask, watson that? ask that would they already know who stole the book that's all i'm saying oh watson but, didn't know
0: <laughs> i do want to comment at this point they have <laughs> they
2: did though they were told who
0: stole the book they have the description of going over to these guys places and you know oh, watson, the, the, Sher- the, sherlock's in disguise and such
1: oh, yeah, the, the the servants and stuff who stole it right yeah. yes and i thought you meant like the person who was Oh, maybe that's
2: what Watson meant. Uh, that's how I took it.
1: Ha, ha, like who orchestrated stealing the book?
2: Except, okay, here's how it goes. Sorry, not to be a nitpick, but it says, and whom do you believe to be the thief? Says Watson. My dear fellow, you forgot we already knew the thief. Edwards has testified quite clearly that it was Miles who snatched the volume. Miles' name is Servant. You're right, you're right. And then um, Watson goes, true. I admitted, abashed, I had forgotten. Uh, okay, oh, that yeah, point, no, that's yeah. not
0: good. No, that yeah. Watson's a dumbass. <laughs> Never mind. I I,
2: I will stop defending Watson. <laughs>
0: That's like the most salient point of the case out of everything that you could have heard about the case. Right. Um, but I do want to say in this part where it's like the description of them just heading to the next scene, you know, the writing's good and the writing's also very Doylean. Mm-hmm. like it's mm-hmm. it's pretty good pastiche, I think. Very doily. Very doily. <laughs> um, and of course, you know, Holmes has some random random costume and a costume disguise disguise. Mm hmm. Uh, that he's in for no great reason or whatever.
1: Well, just so he can move around unnoticed. Yeah. Uh, what, right. what is the
2: disguise? It's measuring the road.
0: <laughs> yeah, a surveyor. yeah, surveyor.
2: Surveyor. Like oh, like a right. utility worker or something. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of cute yeah. the way they keep like stopping to like measure the road and then like picking back up on their journey.
1: I was thinking about that today because like just outside my house, they're doing some um um like a uh, gas work and stuff, and there's someone walking around with like a spray thing. It's like oh, they, they could just walk around and no one would notice just as long as they stopped and measured. Put something on the pavement every few feet
2: mm-hmm. i know there's something about reading sherlock holmes like in disguise that makes you suspicious of everyone
1: well <laughs> what i always wondered about is what sherlock holmes would think if they saw me you know what, <laughs> what about my little details and like how i
0: walk what i'm holding or what i have graffiti in my hand would <laughs> well would indicate <laughs> well the thing is are you talking about a modern sherlock because all of his deductions are just, here are the stereotypes about class structures, which are very rigid in nine, early 1900s society. Well,
1: uh, yeah, a Sherlock of the time. A Sherlock of the time, yeah. right.
0: Oh, uh, he'd, I mean, he'd be able to tell your whole life story.
1: Right. But like, how? What was, oh, there, how? Was the story I see. There? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah what, that's a What question. are the threads that you'd pull together?
0: To... You know what? That sounds like an awesome writing exercise. Right? <laughs> to write <laughs> Sherlock deducing your life from your appearance.
1: Because like, there's one scene from the BBC Sherlock where like they need to um, go into this computer. So he sits down in someone's chair-, chair and like swivels around and looks at the stuff at their desk and figures out his password. <laughs> I'm thinking about like my password and all the stuff that got there. And be like, no fucking way. <laughs> you couldn't do that. It could just be wholeheartedly random at some point and you would never be able to know.
2: Della, <laughs> you forget, most people are pretty dumb. Sorry, um, that's not what I meant. That sounds so mean. (laughs) No, you're exactly right. But But like when it comes to password making, especially like...
0: Well, look, here's the other thing. (laughs) In a universe with Sherlock Holmes, no one would choose a password that could not be guessed from their life history or habits. Yeah. That's part of the magic of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Is that he Mm. exists in a world where... Those things don't happen. He doesn't run into things. He's just like, I don't know. They, they wouldn't need to guess my password in order to get the essential information. That's right. right.
3: Just right.
2: narratively that can't
0: happen. Right.
2: Gosh, well there's so many there's so many stories especially in television about people guessing computer passwords. Mm-hmm. Like at this point you go, nah, I mean, like what happened to two-factor authentication? Like should a modern <laughs> story not have someone just be able to guess someone's computer password? We it's should fine.
0: subvert this and have like a whole scene of guessing the password and there's like you know three more tries and the third one and like they have a great revelation and like it doesn't let them in and later on they find out that one of the a's was a four actually and <laughs> oh, so God. they were not able to guess the password
1: well i'm just thinking about like our shared uh google account we, we use where every so often it- we have to like two-factor authenticate in order or just to sign in on a different computer
2: it's <laughs> true yeah it's a bit of a pain in the butt but such is life Such as the life of security from internet thieves or whatever they are, which makes it like a detective
1: story set in these time periods much more interesting. The more um, analog, um, social hacking and stuff. Mm. Well,
0: speaking of analog, but not social hacking, the first thing they do is bring Sherlock to the crime scene, and he tracks the tracks and. Like, you know, they disappear in some, I don't know, like hedges or something. But oh,
2: yeah. I love this. When Sherlock <laughs> bounds over the hedges like a hound. <laughs> I, was, I had
0: such a vivid picture of that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's better at tracking than anybody else, of course. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, they went, they broke through. They went over this hedge. The small man broke through, but the larger rascal leaped over the hedge. See how deeply his prints are marked. He landed here heavily in the soft ooze. And the hedge he jumped over is the one dividing the two estates, which means he jumped over into Edwards's ground, the guy who's hiring them, and the footprints lead to like the back door of the home of their client.
1: Okay, so the the quote goes, um, Holmes flung himself at full length in the dirt and wriggled swiftly about his nose to the earth, muttering, muttering rapidly in French. I was looking at the note that's I pretty wrote. Great. Yeah, the, the yeah. note I wrote just says love me some unhinged Holmes behavior. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's crazy also why French. But that's not even <laughs> that's not even the part I was thinking of even though that's that's the start of it because then he actually like where's the part where he A little bit sn- yeah. sniffing in circles in
1: an effort to reestablish the lost scent. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I was irresistibly reminded of a noble hound at fault, <laughs> yes, yeah, sniffing yeah. in circles. And then um, in a moment, however, he had it with a little cry of pleasure. He rose to his feet, zigzagged curiously across the road and paused before a hedge, a lean finger pointing accusingly at a break <laughs> in the thicket. You're right I to highlight that, you too.
0: The description is very evocative. yeah, like, and, yeah, you just think I, how weird it must be to watch this guy working. and uh, i I just started playing the Phoenix Wright prequels a little while ago, and, you know, Sherlock Holmes is a character in it. Mm-hmm. and he's totally off the wall. And obviously, he's way less accurate in his guesses most of the time because you need to correct him all the time. Mm-hmm. But he is constantly like perch like oddly on top of like a stack of things or like leaning <laughs> yeah. like you yeah. know, in some okay. weird position. and I, I I'd kind of forgotten, oh, that's probably really accurate, actually
2: it is. And you know what? That wasn't even. I just realized the part I liked the most was, then stepping back a little distance he ran forward lightly and cleared the hedge out of bound alighting on his hands on the other side <laughs> on his hands yeah cuz that, that's following the talk about him sniffing around like a dog so you're right. just like imagine him like bouncing over the hedge <laughs> just, like, alighting on his hands and it's, it's such a subtle detail if you're not it's very much preceded by that talk of him acting like a dog <laughs> and i love the imagery <laughs> yeah i love me some unhinged Holmes behavior yeah yep.
0: yeah well yeah that's That's part of the charm of the character, right? Is that he can recognize everything about everybody else because of how they fit into 1900s, whatever, 1900s, English society. Late 1800s, early 1900s. Late late night, whatever, both. But he himself
2: (laughs) is totally like disassociated from most of the social norms. Well, that's, yeah, that is what's wonderful about Holmes is that he is clever enough to be outside of it all, right? right? He gets it, he just doesn't do it. (laughs) I mean, that's why he doesn't do it. It's yeah. because he gets it, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's why he's sort of a hero of mine. It's like, you know, somebody who just like looks from the outside in and he's able to see wh- why everyone behaves the way they do. He's able to see why he might behave in a certain way. And he just, he makes his own choices. Of course, he's also suffers the consequences of those choices. He's, you know, melon. he suffers the melancholy, <laughs> as one would say. <laughs> Oh, and then also after he alights on his hands on the other side of the hedge, he goes, follow me carefully, for he must not allow our own footprints to confuse us. Like, just imagine him just like picking up from that and going, (laughs) "Right, okay, Watson, follow me carefully. Then goes back to muttering in French. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So in the end, he finds the tracks leading back to their employer's house. And he's just like, okay, yeah, I know who did it.
3: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right. And Watson, of course, is like, Wait, you don't think that Edwards actually tricked everybody and stole it, right? It's like, get your head out of
1: your ass, Watson. <laughs> I know, right? Like, why would that be the case? This isn't your first case, dude.
3: <laughs>
0: and yeah, speaking of not his first case, like they go back to their employer's place, and you know he he makes a phone call on which Sherlock Holmes talks rapidly and unintelligibly into the telephone for a moment, and came back with a smile on his face, which to me boded ill for someone. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're. Their host, their employer is still totally nervous, but he's like, serves some lunch. And Holmes ate with gusto, relating, meanwhile, a number of his earlier adventures, which I may someday give to the world if I'm able to read my illegible notes made on the occasion. And I notice one of the things on this website, the best of bestofsherlock.com, is they have a list of all the information that is known about cases that Watson mentions in the canon without ever writing up.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I, I love right. that world building stuff where it's like they mentioned, oh, oh, the spaghetti incident, you know? <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. But I mean, it, it makes you think, dang, no wonder this is so made for fan fiction and like was such a inspired so much fan fiction from the time of its publication, you know, a hundred plus years ago. Yeah, those little breadcrumbs in there. That right. People just them up you want to fill in those sorts of gaps i mean whether or not you tackle any of the cases watson hints at just him repeatedly saying oh yeah there's a bunch of other cases that i never got around to writing yeah like that's just asking it's begging you to write them yourself and
1: it's like great world building also which is kind of like just implies that oh oh yeah this whole there's this incident we're talking about right here and the other ones you know about but there's so much more you don't even know right
2: (laughs) well and there's so much mystery It's kind of funny to say, but like surrounding Holmes himself. Mm-hmm. Um, like not the mysteries he's involved in, because those actually are easy for him to solve in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, he he does it relatively readily. He tends to know the answer before he reveals it. But Holmes as a character, like you wonder what happened to him? Like, did he die? Like, did I dunno what was his life like before? Like, there's so many unanswered questions about who this person is. Which makes it interesting that you said the other
1: Book this person wrote was a like a biography of Holmes. That's right, the yeah. private life
2: of
0: Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, yeah. he he won. He saw those gaps just as well as you do. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, what made well, Sherlock Holmes? Sherlock Holmes. Like uh, we don't ever get his childhood history, do we? Like, but
0: back in a moment, you were asking, did he actually die? Like, are you proposing a kind of Sherlock Holmes the White situation where well, you know he comes back to life because the world needs him?
2: It's it's. I mean, it's. I think it's always been. It's. <laughs> i mean maybe and other people have like basically right <laughs> i mean
0: I, honestly i could imagine a fanfic about watson continuing to write sherlock holmes stories after holmes dies at the falls because he people want to believe yeah. that sherlock holmes is still alive or but, as, as like a grief mechanism or, or as a grief mechanism oh god, I'm sure that's
2: so sad <laughs> oh god yeah that is really tragic especially for the watson in this story who's just like so ridiculously attached to Hobbes. Oh, yeah. It
1: was like the, the next line of of that is um, which boded ill for someone. But I asked no
2: questions. In good time, this amazing man would tell a story in his own way. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, yeah. You have this thing where, like, even though I don't appreciate some of Watson's dumb questions in this story, it's clear that, like, I am, you know, or like him admitting to himself he literally forgot about. Files who had actually <laughs> stole the book, that that one's really stout to me. But other than yeah. that, you know, I think there's a lot of like probing Holmes because of a genuine affection for him and a lot of admiration. Like most people don't like being corrected. Watson seems to love it. He's like, oh, you know, well, Holmes also praises him every time he corrects him in this story, which I don't know if that's, I guess, there's some stuff to the source. In <laughs> I some, don't know. In some but... of the s- stories, like
1: Holmes, like Watson makes a guess and Holmes is, is like that's not right but that's a really good line of thinking good job Watson here's a cookie yeah basically that's yeah. what the story a Watson like. snack
2: <laughs> <laughs> which, wait, which one is the the Scooby-Doo of the story I can't tell anymore <laughs> that's
0: a good question
1: it's uh, like Scooby-Doo and Velma
0: <laughs> now I want to write a fanfic about Sherlock Holmes and Scooby-Doo Instead of Watson, he has a dog. The dog is Scooby Doo. They solve crimes. No one writes them up. <laughs> I don't know. Sherlock
1: Holmes Scooby Doo crossover. And like, I mean, like Scooby gets scared and jumps into Sherlock's arms, and it writes itself. <laughs> yeah, it does. Sure.
0: I mean, obviously, it would like appear to be a supernatural circumstance, but it's not. Anyway. Okay. Okay. So, um, the thing is, Holmes calls over the neighbor, Sir Nathaniel Brook Bannerman. Bannerman here. And, you know... Well, it's Brooke Bannerman, not Brooke Bannerman Bannerman. <laughs> just to be clear. Sir Nate. And of course, <laughs> this introduced with the extremely heavy foreshadowing of the criminal, said Sherlock Holmes smoothly, is Sir Nathaniel Brooke Bannerman said a maid suddenly, putting her head in at the door, and on the heels of her announcement stalked the handsome baronet, whose priceless volume had caused all this stir and
2: unhappiness.
1: Is baronet or
2: i I guess it must know, be. Just little baron? I guess. It is, um... It is a word. I'm not sure. It's it's a title. It's an English title. Yeah, that's yeah. all I know.
1: It just just sounds cute in this
2: sentence.
1: <laughs> Stalk the handsome baronet.
2: Oh, yeah. This is the first time we hear of him being handsome. I guess it's the first time that We've Holmes seen and Watson have met him, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: Um. And you know, he's he didn't know about the the theft, and he's so distraught. And Sherlock's very cheerfully. And he's just like, oh yeah, you didn't know that your servants had disappeared or whatever. Um. And he's like, no, I don't. Inter- I don't keep track of my servants i i've got a sir in front of my name and you know which is fair right
2: <laughs> all that kind of thing i mean technically servant has a sir at the never mind. <laughs> and you know the
0: like he's drawing it out holmes is drawing it out there's a little bit of good holmes dialogue it all turns for example he says it all turns upon the curious actions of the taller servant prior to the assault the actions of stammered mr harrington edwards why he did nothing said nothing that is the curious circumstance, said Sherlock Holmes, meaningfully, Oh, meaningly. And then he's like, I already have one of the thieves and he's right here. And then he tears off Bannington's mask to reveal a ghost <laughs> underneath. Maybe I have that backwards.
3: <laughs>
2: Scooby-Doo is underneath. It was Scooby-Doo all along. <laughs> right. So it was the friend. Narratively
0: speaking, that makes sense because we've established basically two characters and it can't be the employer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason is.
1: Oh, well, it could be in the employer in some of these cases.
0: But, anyways, moving on. <laughs> okay. Well, in this case, the employer seems case, to not, have not us. Them, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, yes.
2: The quarto itself, the original text, was a fake.
0: That's right. And he didn't want anyone finding out about that. And so. <laughs> Yeah, he like
1: Frankenstein did two different things together and like wrote in it. Then like his friend, the Shakespeare expert, said like, "Can I take a look at it?" He's like, oh, sure,
2: no problem right. well, there." And, and here's the thing: like he he'd been, I think, proclaiming to have this for status. Like he never intended right. yeah. on selling it. He bound it with seven hundred and fifty pieces, individual pieces of leather, studded it with eighty two jewels. Mm-hmm. Just because he was making up this whole fiction Bro- that Bro- it was this unique book. And he brought he said- in the the best bookbinders of the empire to do it. Yes. Oh, nine yeah. of them, right? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That craziness. And you would think the I guess they're book binders that, porto experts. I but don't there know, weren't but... experts There were not shakespeare
1: experts there were bookbinding experts yeah i <laughs> yeah. guess they
2: just wouldn't talk. and he he yeah.
1: says
0: like he did such a good job making this folio out of like other a couple other documents that hardly anyone would be able to tell it was a fake right but mm. mr top shakespeare expert in the world his best friend would be able to tell that but he also wouldn't have any good enough reason to be like no you can never look at this folio Right, so
1: this guy's best plan was to push him
2: over in the dark. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I mean, he knew him pretty well. He knew he'd fall over with a a feather. (laughs) Now, here's the part, here's like
0: the only part of the case which kind of I did not like. Holmes says, your mistake, sir, was in ending your trail abruptly at Mr. Edwards' back door. Oh, by the way, the tall servant who like had the beard who never talked, that was Barrington himself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, right, right. We didn't mention that. Which
1: is why he didn't talk because... Yeah, we didn't mention it. We thought be so obvious but you know, watson didn't get it so i don't know
2: if it was that obvious <laughs> stupid watson never anyway anything
0: Sorry. <laughs> holmes says your mistake sir was in ending your trail abruptly at mr edwards's back door had you left another trail then leading back to your own domicile d- domicile how do you say that yeah i should unhesitatingly have arrested mr harrington edwards for the theft surely you must know that in criminal cases handled by me it is never the obvious solution that is the correct one The mere fact that the finger of suspicion is made to point at a certain individual is sufficient to absolve that individual from guilt. Had you read the little works of my friend and colleague here, Dr. Watson, you would not have made such a mistake, yet you claim to be a bookman.
2: It's just... That's dumb. Yes, it's dumb. It's too simplistic. And and furthermore, it's like, well, why would you not have assumed that he had read those works and therefore created a... as some sort of double trail. Like, the the actual... Now we're in Princess Bride territory, but... I know, I know, I know. (laughs) It's just really ridiculous to to make that assumption. Yeah, I don't
1: think that should have been the only thing. That should have been, like, the button on a list of other... Right.
2: Right. You can say, like, yes, you're just a dumb enough person to try to create a false trail, and we found the real trail, but, like, no, that is definitely not, as you said, the primary piece of evidence. Like,
1: also... This, he didn't make the plan knowing
0: specifically that Sherlock Holmes was going to get involved no, right he did not no I mean I, maybe uh, yeah. maybe he could have deduced that given the importance of the volume and the the strangeness or but, uniqueness of the case but I don't it, know
1: it, it, like it seems like he was just trying to fool his um Shakespeare loving very clumsy friend yeah and like
2: certainly
0: I know I was just talking about like the narrative conventions of Sherlock Holmes and like the world that they live in for these stories to be able to happen but Holmes can't know that he's in that world. That doesn't make any sense. Well, the
1: the fact that Watson is in universe publishing these things kind of gives you some leeway for that.
0: Okay, but but it can't be like Someone would not come to me with a case with an obvious solution. That can't be his reasoning. That's a good point. Like yeah, that—that's what I mean. Of
2: course. Well, yeah. it, it should, Why wouldn't they? Well,
1: it should have been rephrased as I wouldn't have taken on a case that had such
0: an obvious
2: solution.
1: Mm,
0: I suppose, but you're—but you were well, right. He still needs another. He needs a second reason, and it's not there. Yeah,
1: But like it would would be a Sherlock Holmes thing to assume that any case mm-hmm. he took would, would be interesting.
0: Right. I suppose yeah, maybe.
2: I guess, but you know it. And then, and I, I do agree with all of that reasoning. I just also think like a second thing is that it's not the best reasoning. No. no. Like, oh, the obvious solution wasn't correct. Therefore, it's the second most obvious solution. I, that I doesn't think sound like very much that, like Sherlock that, Holmes. That's the right? reasoning
1: of a Sherlock Holmes fan.
2: That's not a reasoning of Sherlock Holmes. And right. I feel
0: like I feel like there's an easy solution here, given everything this author set up. His reasoning should have been, sure. A layman might imagine that Mr. Edwards would desire this book greatly and would steal it. But as a bibliophile, if he can't display the book, it's worthless because it's all about the prestige. So he doesn't actually have any motivation as a bibliophile to steal the book, whereas his friend would have a very plausible explanation as a bibliophile to steal the book, which he could then produce. That's and, and that, so that would, much better. That would tie into the theme yeah. so much better. It's just like, what's the point of having the rarest Shakespeare book in all the world if you can't let anybody know that you have it? Right. As as these people.
1: So th- that's like pretty much. Can we talk about the structure of it? Sure. Because, like, I think it has the bones of a good Sherlock Holmes mystery. It just needs some more fleshing out. Mm-hmm. Like, it needs a, another editor pass or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: he needed a good beta.
1: You need a, a good banner reader to ask, like, why, why would they think this? Right. Why would they just jump to it? Shouldn't, the, shouldn't, shouldn't Holmes say, like, I wouldn't take the case? If it's interesting, not a Sherlock Holmes case wouldn't be that obvious. right?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, because the, the mystery itself is good and a lot of the writing yeah. is, is really mm-hmm. on point, as we pointed out. It's just like when Holmes explains the evidence or when Watson acts yeah. kind of like a dummy. Those are little pieces you could correct. Because, like,
1: they have a, a good enough twist for a a story. They just... Because it's weird to forget that, that like in these like Sherlock Holmes, Arsene Lupin, uh, uh Detective Conan <laughs> stories, it's not the twist that that matters. It's the the storytelling around it. Because mm-hmm. these things are stupid,
3: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> All these the solutions are like weird and outlandish. It, w- it would never happen. But what what these stories are about the the journey it takes you there, like the thought process. Certainly, it's mm-hmm. so like they they have the uh, the bones of it they just need to um guide you through it better and make you more make you feel better about the solution they come to
2: i completely agree yeah, yeah. um well i, I mean we're,
0: we're, we're reaching the end we may as well finish this up yes. also by the way the book was insured of course so he would have made a fortune you know if oh, it yeah, had yeah. been stolen also so there's that too um one of the and then he burned the book whatever Sherlock, like it's burning in the furnace right now, and Holmes, like, goes and grabs just like a remainder of whatever was left in there, which is cute.
1: I think Sherlock does, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, Sherlock
0: yeah. does. And so he says, Okay, well, I'm not going to make a big deal of it as long as you don't try to claim the insurance. The guy's like, Okay, I promise that. And then I, what I think is cute is that Mr. Edwards is, uh, says, Let us forget it then. Let it be a sealed chapter in the history of bibliomania. And then he, He looked at Sir Nathaniel Brooke Bannerman for a long moment, then held out his hand. I forgive you, Nathaniel, he said simply. Their hands met. Tears stood in the baronet's eyes. Holmes and I turned from the affecting scene, powerfully unmoved. Powerfully moved. Oh, powerfully moved, (laughs) not powerfully unmoved. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, it's just cute that like he's the the friend, even though this is a a ridiculous circumstance and very upsetting, and it's just like flat out lying and forgery and deceit for prestige. His friend is like, oh, no, I get it. Like
1: well, yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, it was it was a good character moment, and right. there's there's a lot of good moments like that in the fic with uh, Holmes acting like a dog, <laughs> and and these characters being interesting characters, uh, these OCs he made. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think
0: that's just like another comment on the bibliophile like realm that the author's making. He's like, he has the other bibliophile be like, okay, I totally understand your motivations then.
1: Look, well, because like the next paragraph is Holmes saying, there are
2: strange people, these book collectors." Exactly, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, that was so funny to me, though, because like I would have a steel chapter in history of bibliomania wouldn't have let necessarily led me to the same conclusion that Holmes did the strange people, these book collectors. But I thought at that point, I was like, oh, Mr. Edwards, you know, he's just a really, really kind person. Mm-hmm. But like, no, like Holmes takes it a step further and be like, it's no. Great. Maybe he would have done the same thing in the same situation. I don't right. even
0: know. It, yeah. it, it, it's really cute, The like the the last Sherlock Holmes speech, because um, Watson's like, well, it's a shame that I can't publish my notes on this case. And Holmes is like, oh, just wait a bit. And eventually they'll start telling it as an anecdote. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and Watson says, it will always be a reflection upon Sir Nathaniel. Like, he can't admit to this. He will glory in it, prophecies Sherlock Holmes. Oh, right, yes. He will <laughs> go down in bookish chronicle with Chatterson and Ireland and Payne Collier, Mark my words, he is not blind even now to the chance this gives him for sinister immortality. He will be the first to tell it. And so indeed it proved, as this narrative suggests. <laughs> yep. And so it's just the last throwing shade at book collectors by the book collector author.
1: We're like, it just, how right. long it took before the, he started telling this, they both started telling it at like dinner parties. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so get this, right? I had this fake book. <laughs> Then I borrowed it. Yeah, then he borrowed it. Then I dressed up as a servant and pushed him over in the jar. <laughs>
2: then Sherlock Holmes got
0: involved. <laughs> Not Sherlock Holmes. Yes. That's
1: Sherlock Holmes.
0: <laughs> and then that's and then of course the, the line that from the leaf of Hamlet that Sherlock Holmes saved from the fire, um, he says it's it's his souvenir of the case, right? Mm-hmm. And it's the line from Polonius that he is mad, tis true. Tis true, tis pity, and pity it is true. So just like yep, book collectors are crazy. Let's go to dinner.
2: <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Then then they have uh, yeah they've they've got a matinee to attend. <laughs> right. And that's the end of the story. Let's go to the matinee. <laughs> also, I am a little bit curious. So he wants to preserve this piece of paper from the book, and I at first go, oh, he, there's something in it that he finds because these were earlier uh, quarto's too. They just mm-hmm. been sewn together, so yep. they're not in valuable in any way shape or form they're just not the earliest uh, but no he managed to pluck out a particular piece with a particular line he wanted to say <laughs> from the fucking fire i don't think he chose that. i think that that happened to be
1: in in uh sherlock holmesian luck. it happened to be something no, appropriate to the story it, 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 seemed, is, it seems yeah.
0: deliberate yeah. because watson asks him why did you not get to take a jewel from the binding it was like studded with jewels and sherlock oh, yeah. chuckles and then he says a fancy to preserve so accurate a characterization of either of our friends so, I mean, yeah, I guess it's. Oh, well, he also says the line is a real jewel. The line that is a he real reads, jewel, right? yeah. Reads so lines. it's all, it almost sounds like it was deliberate, but no, it must have been coincidence, Does of course.
1: Sherlock Holmes seem like the kind of person to take a souvenir?
0: Um, He seems like the sort of person who it wouldn't be out of character to take a souvenir from a case and then forget that that's a thing he's doing in the next case.
2: <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I also think like he, it would not be out of character for him to like do this just for the kicks right. Right? right and then like maybe even threw it back in the fire after that oh, like yeah. he just Isn't... wanted to like do something dramatic right that, that, that's
0: what I think it's not going in a trophy case back home it's going to accidentally like get shoved on the back of a desk and then fall on the floor at some point and get thrown out in the
2: trash right like <laughs> it was for the like for the scene not for the posterity right
1: because right? it seems to me that Sherlock Holmes is usually a character that like doesn't care about cases as soon as it's done
2: right but he does care about them a lot when they're going on right and yeah He cares. I think it's the residual like drama of the case, right? Like, yes, he solved it, but he's going to revel in the solution just as long as he possibly because that's what he gets high off of, right? Right. solving the case. I could buy it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's the end of the story. It's not long. It's, I think it's short even for, I mean, I know Doyle wrote some pretty short cases, but I think it's like... Maybe even shorter than the short cases? It feels shorter. Yeah, it feels like it. Yeah, because it's fair. It's so... The order of events is so straightforward, right? Yeah,
1: it's so A, B, C.
0: Yeah. A, B, C.
1: Which isn't what a murder mystery should... uh, It's not a murder mystery. What a mystery should be like. It should be like A, B, Q. (laughs) No, C. No, C.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, that being said, well, let's complain about our things, it being the end of the story, and then end on praise, shall we? Mm Mm-hmm. So... My complaint, I'm just jumping on it first, that one reasoning about like, you should know that my cases can't be so easy from reading my cases. It's stupid and I hate it. And it threw me out of the story when otherwise I was pretty much like going merrily along with it.
1: Yeah, I think that's when it showed its most fanfic in this.
0: Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Very fanfic. It's like, then there's an author notes in italics and it ends in an emoji.
1: <laughs> if you don't like this, whatever, it's my story.
3: It's my right. face.
0: <laughs> Go ahead and flame me, suckers. Exactly.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but what about you two?
1: Yeah, I think dumb Watson's up there for me. That that, that doesn't make this story fun to read. And just what I mentioned before, um, there need to be a little bit more thought into... Um, making the reader think that another solution could be possible. Right. Instead of just, like, cause you can guess the flow of it pretty much from the beginning, and, like, that should be okay, just as long as he still takes you on a story in the meantime.
0: Right. The only real red herring is the track leading to their employer's house, and it takes about three
2: sentences before Holmes is like, nope. Nope, not a <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, y'all kind of got mine... <laughs> though I, I also said those things before. So but the, the main thing is like, so if I like, obviously, at any Holmes story, like for me, I would complain about Holmes not being significantly clever. Mm-hmm. I would also complain about Watson not being significantly clever. And mm-hmm. I think both things happen in this, even though there's really strong moments of characterization. But what Della made me think about earlier is that it could have been pulled together by an editing of those conclusions. So I think it's both. I think it might even be a pacing issue, like in rushing to wrap up the ending, Yeah, right? You can just kind of land on this bland solution, which definitely makes Holmes feel less clever because the solution is so simple.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think Watson's a hard character to write too because Watson has to be less smart than Holmes, but more smart than
2: everybody else. Yeah, but it's <laughs> he's definitely not in this. Yeah. He's, yeah okay yeah i just think it's a weird line to try to walk that's a good point though yeah to be fair
0: well what about praise for the story then i went first last time so i'll try not to hog it this time
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i already praise. i maybe mean, it's just because you know my love of dogs but the <laughs> all that description of holmes like acting like a dog or well he's not even acting like a dog he's acting like He's speaking in French. He's dipping <laughs> the ground. He's bounding over bushes, landing on his hands, and then pointing with his finger and then returning completely mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. this calmness. I really like his characterization, despite the fact that I don't think that he's significantly clever in this. His moments of characterization are awesome. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Like almost, and that's not the only moment. I mean, I could try and think of another one, but almost throughout, he's just, yeah, he's just greatly characterized
1: no it's pretty good Holmes. So you have the crazy behavior the uh, excitement um the random costume <laughs> mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and like the the hint or like the introduction of the idea of a moroseness and mm-hmm. stuff and it's fine if they don't uh if they did not that they didn't lean on it too much but like yeah. the fact that's introduced means that he's not just a wacky character means it's more complex
3: Right. Yeah, I thought it
0: was very effective in just like those couple sentences at the start. That was enough. Just to, to ground the, the character. Thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's
1: all you needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so those moments were really fun. The, the the interactions, even even the the wacky uh person with the case was fun. How, how the friends made up in the end, like those moments were were good moments.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. The book collector was also well characterized. Yeah. And, like a, a totally uh well, unique before, character. For a Holmes character, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like
0: I don't remember. A lot of the employers in these cases, but I'll re- remember that guy. Yeah, certainly. And,
1: but like yeah. a lot of these uh, people that bring cases into Sherlock Holmes are just bland caricatures, and like this guy is too. But he he's got more depth with it being written by a uh, book collector,
0: and that's what I wanted to praise. I find the taking target at book collectors self deprecation angle to be very charming. It was fun, and I think it works both because you know he's not going too hard on him he's just being like yeah what a bunch of weirdos we are <laughs> and also it's not like he's punching down societally these are extremely wealthy white men in oh, england yeah a hundred years ago it's like you don't need to you don't need to like be too kind to them either it's fine
1: he was punching across the ocean but pretty spirally i think without, that's like... right <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. and
2: imagining that like lateral like spirit punch traveling across the ocean anyway <laughs> And I would
0: I would read more stories in this kind of vein. It, I think it'd be really cool. I'd like to propose a story about stage actors mm. titled The Adventure of the Unique New York.
2: Oh, no.
1: Oh, brilliant. Unique <laughs> New York.
2: Unique, unique New York. I, I can't. <laughs> you didn't warm up properly before this recording,
0: did you? No, no. I never do.
1: <laughs> I think it'd be fine if everybody did like like wrote a Sherlock Holmes mystery a where the where the it was about or the main character was like their special interests
0: i think that sounds like an amazing writing exercise for anybody <laughs> totally. like any fanfic writers any like mystery class like you know writers like mm-hmm. that just sounds like so much fun
1: where you have a character that's an expert then you have Holmes come in and just walk mm. over everybody mm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know that is what's so fun about the story is that the author had so much passion for everything yeah. they were writing about too uh-huh. and like i mean obviously i'm a big literature and Shakespeare fans, so I had a bit of passion for what they were talking about as well. But it's like, I don't know, it's just so fun to read, I think, because the author had fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And yeah, that that often comes through in fan fiction, and it you know, it's a good feeling when it does.
1: It's so like, if we did that, would, would it be like a fan fiction podcast or murder mystery or something? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, could be. I mean, the question is, would you want to lean on the well, you know, I guess fan fiction podcasting is so specific that so like, specific. yeah, that's what yeah. that's what we would want to do. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: could do just fan fiction or you could just do podcasting, but like mo- more specific the niche is, the more interesting the story. I think.
0: That's right. And as as we all know, and as everyone should know, we are not
2: the only fanfic podcast out there.
1: <gasps> yes. We might have some like rivals or something.
2: <laughs> something like that. Yeah. I, I tend to call them friends, but you can call them whatever you want. Well, in a
0: shock home story, you know.
2: Oh, right. Of course. yeah, <laughs> they, they show
1: up shocked at the funeral.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds hard to write a murder mystery involving groups of people who exist like <laughs> all over the country and or world. You're no fun, <laughs> but no, no. I mean, whatever. It happens at a con. Yeah. I,
1: oh, there you go. yeah
0: <laughs> even even Asmov wrote a murder mystery at a uh, I think sci-fi convention he's a character in it. <laughs> There's just Sherlock Holmes o- at those yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, come to think of it, Asimov did do basically I mean, it's not a Sherlock Holmes story, but, but yeah. like he did that same thing is take his group and write a mystery involving his group. Huh. I forget the name of it.
2: I well, i w I'm very
0: curious to know if you think <laughs> of I mean, look, Asimov wrote like about three thousand books, but you should still be able to track it down if you do a good Google search.
2: Yeah, I think it's closer to like Four or five thousand books, but. <laughs> JK, y'all. All right.
0: This was episode one hundred and thirty-nine of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, The Adventure of the Unique Hamlet by what's his face? Vincent Sparret. Vincent Starrett. Starret. Mr. Nate so Blue. Yes. You can find <laughs> a copy of it on bestofsherlock.com, which I'll be providing a link to. Or 110 copies are still known to exist. So, you know, you could track down a bibliophile and pay outrageous Mm -hmm. amounts of money in order to try to acquire your own personal copy to put on your bookshelf. And then
2: bind it in 750 (laughs) individual pieces of leather. (laughs) And And if it's signed and it gets
1: stolen, come to us so we can do a true crime podcast about it and really branch out our network. (laughs) That's right.
0: The intro song to the podcast is the weekly fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. Uh, have we ever contacted this person, let them know we're using their music? I know we don't have to. This no. Is, have we? No, we should. I mean, like, they're online. <laughs>
2: right. Many people are.
1: Yeah, but like, I don't talk to people, so.
2: Gosh, y'all are just going to go out there and admit our crimes? It's, but no, it's it's, it's <laughs> open, <laughs> it's open for people song. to use. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be I, a I terrible Sherlock I Holmes character. <laughs> <laughs> Hello,
1: these are my crimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, even
2: watson would figure that one
0: out well maybe not this watson <laughs> <laughs> well if you want to go tattle or listen to more of their music you can find this album at other works by komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. our podcast is edited by della davis who is also here with us right now and can say something about editing podcasts
1: yeah i was going to tell you i wanted to go by della rose That's oh a excuse me
0: name let me back up and do that again because because okay. you can edit it <laughs> Our podcast is edited by Della Rose, who is also present in this room and can say something.
1: What a beautiful first take, Amada.
0: <laughs> I only do first takes. I'm right the first time, every time. Exactly. As far as the people know, if I'm <laughs> doing my job right. <laughs> if you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, or if you want to share with us your Sherlock Holmes fanfic you have written in which Sherlock Holmes analyzes you and or your entire group of people... Ooh, then contact yes. us on Twitter <laughs> at retrofanfic, Facebook at retrofanfic, or email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com.
1: I, I would like that. Yes. Look, Me I too. mean
0: if we had any kind of fund, this is where I would be setting up some kind of um you fanfic know contest. fanfic contest. Yeah. yeah. But we don't have any kind of funds, so no. I'm not doing that.
1: <laughs> or like brain space to like organize an event.
0: Right. That's also in limited supply yeah. around here. I'm a motto. I'm Tori. I'm Della. We're just three Earth lifeforms trying to be nice to each other and forgive each other for our egregious podcast-related <laughs> crimes. Until next time, take care. Elementary, my dear podcaster.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm so s- sorry that I stole the studded bejeweled microphones from the last podcast session. I was session. wondering what they were, but you know what, Tori? I don't forgive you.
1: <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, podcasters
2: <laughs> less cool than book collectors. Apparently. Turns out, yeah.